It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Bengals lost 25-22 to in the Meadowlands, but there's a lot of tape for Cordell Volson, and most of it was good. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, bringing you coverage of your Cincinnati Bengals every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Thanks for making us your first listen, for subscribing and following. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And James, as far as I know, the Bengals covered in their three-point loss against the New York Giants. I think they hit the over, the preseason <laughs> over in the 30s. And they went into halftime with a lead over the New York Giants starters with only one, I would say, starter playing for the Cincinnati Bengals, and that was Cordell Volson at left guard. And not only did he start the game, but he played the entire game at left guard, all but just a handful of those snaps with Trey Hill at center to his right, and all of those snaps with Hakeem Adeniji at left tackle to his left. And Cordell Volson, I thought, played a pretty dang good game, James. He had a few really positive run-blocking snaps against one or two bad run-blocking snaps. He had a whole lot of positive tape in pass protection against a couple of mental lapses. Well, really, one mental lapse that I noticed and one physical lapse one mental lapse coming on a defensive back blitz, a Wink Martindale special that saw the defensive lineman closest to him run away from him and kind of split and try to take his attention away. He couldn't figure out who to block in that moment. By the time he realized the defensive back was coming, it was a little bit too late. The other lapse in pass protection, he just got juked out of his shoes, just straight up juke moved which you don't see very often for a guard. That was later in the game. He did get tired as the game went on. But besides that, for the most part, I thought really solid game. Against starters at the start of the game, against Dexter Lawrence, I thought he had a nice combo block with Trey Hill early in the game. So to me, James, this is two solid games for Cordell Volson in the preseason. This one against mm-hmm. a higher level of competition, especially early. And we have one poor game from Jackson Carmen against a lower quality of competition, plus Carmen's unavailability for the last week. Cordell Volson's job to lose, I'd say. He certainly helped himself. And, I, you know, he was the leader in the clubhouse going into Sunday's game. And it was kind of one of those things where it was like, all right, can, can Cordell go out there and be that consistent guy that we've seen in practice because he hasn't been perfect in practice even this past week as he's taken probably 90 percent of the snaps with the ones at left guard but he's been good and certainly good enough and has been better than what we saw even last year from quentin spain like you're like oh can can he be that because 
even looking back to March and w- when you saw that, oh, the Bengals are probably going to be banking on Jackson Carmen and then the draft. And it's like, yeah, they're banking on Jackson Carmen. You were just hoping that Carmen would be a competent starting left guard, not a top five or top 10 guy. And it just feels like that's what Volson is, is destined to be. You, Lyle Collins, I talked to him on Friday. He's like, oh, man, he's just got his makeup. He's praising all the intangible stuff and all of these things uh, that Volson brings. And uh, Anthony Munoz on the broadcast on on Sunday night, pad level, things like that. And it's just you're not hearing any of these like major negatives. And you're right. There are some flaws. He just missed, mentally missed on that defensive back blitz. But you know what I love is – the Bengals brought him back out there, and I thought it was going to be maybe it was just one drive in the second half, but that happened at the, the the end of the first half, and then the start of the second half, he was out there and he blocked well, was opening holes well, and and doing his job, and that's the part of it. Like he's you know just this fourth round nobody from from North Dakota State, right? It's not like we were talking about him, and I'm not meaning that in a bad way. Uh, it's not like we were talking about him a ton before the draft, but he just kind of goes about his business, does his work. And that's kind of what offensive linemen are, especially the good ones. And so I, I think, yeah, I think we've, we've seen a ton uh, to go in that direction. And I would be surprised. I don't think anyone's going to declare him the starter yet at, at PBS, at least publicly. But I would be surprised if anyone but Cordell Volson is starting at left guard on September 11th against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He really helped himself. He seized an opportunity. He played well. He played well in the first preseason game as well, and we haven't seen that from Jackson Carmen. We haven't seen that level of consistency, and yes, he's a rookie. He's going to have rookie mistakes, but Jackson Carmen is still making the same kinds of mistakes. We saw it last week against the Arizona Cardinals. So mm-hmm. if you have a guy that's showing more promise, you put the better player on the field, and, and the better tape at this point, I would say, is in Cordell Volson's favor. I, I also thought, by the way, that that Adenogy and Hill both played pretty well after Adenogy had a pretty dreadful time in, in the first preseason game outside of one tough rep against Kayvon Thibodeau early in the game. And Thibodeau got him. He did. But outside of that, he held his own. He had some nice reps against Thibodeau as well. He finished the game really strong. Trey Hill, every time I watched him, and I didn't watch him a ton, so this does have a disclaimer of needs rewatch for Trey Hill and Adenogy, really for all three. But my first impression was that Trey Hill played pretty well too was moving guys in the run game. I mentioned against Dexter Lawrence early in the game on a combo block with, with Volson. I thought they got some good movement there. And so I, th- I thought all three of those guys played well. But the thing with, with Volson that really I think is important is outside of wearing down a little bit, getting tired toward the end of the game, maybe a sign that his conditioning needs to improve a little bit. The Bengals only had 61 or so uh, offensive plays. There might be a few more with some penalties in there against 70-plus for the Giants. Maybe the conditioning needs some help, but Volson looked better against backups, which is what you would want if your left guard that is maybe competing for a starting spot looks passable, looks good enough against the starters from the Giants in the preseason, and then looks good to standing out outside of just a handful of snaps against the the Giants backups. That's what you would expect if a guy is going to be your starter. That's what we talked about with Jackson Carmen. In week one, if you all listen to the episode going into preseason week one, I think we agreed that Jackson Carmen 
if he's going to be your starter going against Arizona's twos, threes, and fours, should have a really good first half. Should look better because he is a starter. He is a second-round pick from a high-pedigree school, was a highly Mm -hmm. recruited high school player. If he's going to be that guy for you, he should be beating the lower level of competition from the Cardinals, and he didn't do that. Carmen, on the other hand, did that when he had the opportunity late against the Giants. I just think a lot is going in his favor at this point. Jackson Carmen will have to have a heck of a week in these joint practices, assuming he gets healthy from this bout with COVID. He'll need to do really well against Aaron Donald in these joint practices. He'll need to do really well in this final preseason game for for him to instill any doubt in the coach's mind that Volson shouldn't be the guy. I don't know if he's going to face Aaron Donald. I don't know if he's going to even get that chance. And I don't, because if you've seen all of this from Volson, and now guess what? I want to get Volson as, as many reps as possible against the best defender on the planet, right? And that's that's the part of it. Get him as much experience as possible because it seems like he is going to be the guy. And that you're right. The thing I loved uh, at the end of the game, Cordell Volson's still in there. It was really the only reason it, it, you know, outside of it's our job to watch, to watch. And guess what? He got movement. And and Jack Patrick just cruises on into the end zone. That should have been the game winner. I had had it written, you know, like Volson makes the the block that leads to the game winning touchdown. Like, and that's the thing is it, there were so many more positives than negatives. And I, I know that. Jackson Carmen took a beating after that Arizona game. And that doesn't mean that there weren't some positives because there were, right? But the negatives overwhelm the positives, especially mm-hmm. when you consider the competition. Well, this guy in in Volson, Cordell Volson, he just overwhelmed the negatives with a bunch of positives. And given the guard play that we're used to seeing yeah. at Paul Brown Stadium at the time and now Paycor Stadium. It's uh, it's a breath of fresh air because he's he's going to be in an ideal word, world their worst starting offensive lineman. Well, I think that is awesome compared to what we've seen in recent years, given the sample size that we've gotten now, which is a, a, a game and a half of football plus all of these reps throughout training camp. He just he looks like one of these guards that's going to be under the radar that ends up. Uh, making a big difference for a contending team like the Bengals. Uh, we have a ton to get to, a ton uh, to react to, including we talked about one hill and Trey Hill. Did you see Dax Hill on Sunday night? Dax Hill looked mighty, mighty fine. We'll dive into him and more next. But first, a word from Bet Online. Bet Online is a one stop shop for all things sports wagering. So if you want to wager on Dax Hill to be defensive rookie of the year, maybe you think the Bengals now with Cordell Volson leading the charge at left guard, they might set all these records on offense. And you think Jamar Chase is going to be the offensive player of the year. You can wager on that. Joe Burrow to be MVP or the Bengals to get it done, finish the job and win a championship this year. You got to go to bet online right now and sign up for free today. It's really easy to do and start making money. And it isn't just NFL, by the way. Maybe you wanted to wager on UFC on Saturday night. You didn't know where to go. Bet online is a one-stop shop. Auto racing, MMA, anything and everything in between. Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA futures. Go there now. Bet online, where the game starts. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Dax Hill was really good. He played with the defense at the start of the game. He played against the New York Giants starters. He got an interception off the off a deflected pass, tip drill, Bengals' favor. The Giants also had a tip drill go in their favor early in the game. But he consistently shows the next-level athleticism, the pedigree, again, highly recruited as a high schooler, was incredibly athletic in the Michigan defense. And that athleticism continues to show up in the NFL. The acceleration on the third down tackle that leads to the uh, turnover on downs on the Giants first first possession is a great recognition, B great acceleration and C he finished the play all great things for him. He also showed sticky man coverage when he was in that situation and came from a single high position on another play on that first drive to make a good tackle. Daxel continues to show that he is ready for the NFL game. He's shown incredible versatility, which is something that we were hoping to see from him and expecting to see from him based on his use and attributes from a scouting perspective at Michigan. And it continues to be refreshing that this guy that the Bengals drafted at 31 looks like he can make an impact long-term, just building on a solid camp, a solid preseason with another nice performance early against the Giants. Yeah, you see the athleticism, you know, the burst, right? I, I love that you pointed out the acceleration because it's it's really hard to get there and then make the tackle and do both. And, and he did that. And that's something a lot of safeties don't do or can't do, especially at this stage. And he just – he's that guy. I, I talked to him – it wasn't Friday. It was Thursday. And I was like, two picks this week? He was like, two? I hope I get one. <laughs> I was like, two picks this week. And I might have made a comment or two about the Giants quarterback situation. But I'll keep that to myself, Jake Lisko, um, in Lockdown Bengals listeners. Anyways, uh, he, he kind of laughed. And uh, it was good to see, though, that he uh, he was able to get that one. And it's a heck of a play. I mean, that I thought it was coming back, honestly. I thought they were just going to overturn it initially. So uh, good for him. And good for him to, to pop up, by the way. This is mm-hmm. stupid, right? It sounds silly. But he would have been down. It would have been down in college. Uh, and so he popped up right away and kept running. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's a player. I th- and, and the thing, the fun part about it for me is his role is obviously going to change when Jesse Bates gets back in a couple of weeks. But I think Luana Rumo is going to be able to use him in so many different ways. And this guy, he's athletic, smart enough. Uh, all of these things, he's ready to go. And, and like you said, ready for the NFL. So is he going to play deep all the time? No, that's not going to happen with Bates around. But he, whatever he does, I, I think he's going to be able to help this defense and be a sneaky weapon that Lou Anarumo can use in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, I think it's something that we've seen in the preseason from him as well. Insofar as Blitzing off the edge? They'll put him anywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he's lined up over the slot. He's lined up deep. He's lined up he, the, the third down stop. He was essentially in a linebacker alignment, and he's playing a hook, hook curl, I think. Maybe he's responsible for the flat there. He gets out to the flat, certainly, to make the tackle to, to get off the field. But you're seeing him align everywhere. You're seeing him in, in an abundance 
of of responsibilities. And so will his role change when Bates gets back? I don't actually know if his role does change when Bates gets back because they'll move Bates around too, right? And so it's like his role changes, yes, that he'll be on the field less because he's not going to be on the field for 100% of the snaps, but it would probably behoove Lou Rumo to find creative ways to get those three guys, Von Bell, Jesse Bates, Stax Hill, on the field together when Jesse Bates returns. And the, mm-hmm. the other silver lining here, and the Bengals have been pretty consistent in saying that they expect Jesse Bates to, when he's ready to show up, to show up and be ready for week one. And we could see him show up immediately after the, the final preseason game and be present for all those practices leading up to week one. Who knows really what we'll see. We haven't really had any clear indicators there for a while, but if he doesn't show up, you have Dax Hill. If he's not ready, if he needs an extra week for whatever reason, you have Dax Hill. I'm just looking at his his snaps from from week one, James. He had eight snaps in the box in week one, five of those in in a linebacker alignment. He had eight snaps playing slot corner in preseason week one. He had 23 snaps playing free safety. He also had three mm-hmm. snaps out wide at corner. So he's he's lining up all over the place, is Dax Hill. And it's, it's great preparation for him, I think, in, in that his use in terms of where he aligns is going to be similar. But you're right that he will probably lose snaps, you would assume, upon the return of Jesse Bates. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he'll lose some snaps, um, and, and that's part of it. I, I also, though... I think it's good to see him in this role now. And, and here we go. Now we're going to go down the speculative role. Easy to see how he fits with Von Bell, is it not? I'm just throwing that out there, right? I mean, if sure. if there was a guy that was going to sign an extension before the start of the season, we know Bates can't do that. Maybe the Bengals do that. And they say, look, we, we like this tandem now. Dax is 21, Bell's 27 for the next couple of years. That's a hell of a one-two combo. And – so who knows? Maybe not. Maybe that that isn't something that that happens. But uh, no, I, I think that when you look at the Bengals, right? How are they going to get better this year versus last year? Everyone talks about the offensive line. Everyone talks about uh, Jamar Chase being even better, or you know T Higgins or Joe Burrow taking a leap, and he was healthy, and all of these things, healthy offseason, all those things. The defense might be better, and it might be better because of a guy named Dax Hill. And it might be better because Eli Apple might be even more improved than he was a, a year ago. And because Joseph Osai can be the the guy that they were hoping he would be. And by the way, the fourth and one, guess who was in there? 58. Mm-hmm. Uh, because maybe Cam Sample can uh, make a little bit of a leap, made a nice play on the opening drive as well. I was excited to see both of those guys. So it's like, I think there's a path where this defense is even better than it was a year ago. And this defense carried them in the playoffs for, for most of the postseason, which that's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it could be better. There, there's so many factors. I think the biggest indicator, I, I like John Sheeran's video on Twitter about this today. The biggest indicator that this team is going to be better in 2022 is that the offensive line should be better. It should make them more consistent on offense. That's pretty succinct. But you're right that a lot of people are sleeping on this defense that took major strides in the playoffs in particular, down the stretch to help this team get to the playoffs in the first place should not be overlooked by any means. Also shouldn't be overlooked cornerback in depth. Trey Flowers did play a little bit early in this game, only 13 snaps or so. 
And then it was the young guys, the guys fighting for roster spots, Jalen Davis, Alan George, Delonte Hood. Delonte Hood had a game to forget. All these guys at times gave up some plays, and the Bengals will probably need at least one of them to stick on the roster. I think that will be Jalen Davis, who, by the way, blitzed a ton in the second half. Maybe a preview to come for Mike Hilton. Getting, getting some of those slot blitz looks in. But Jalen Davis, to me, is a backup slot corner right now if they don't think Dax Hill can do that role. But Alan George did have some nice plays. I, I thought that you know he gave up some plays. He had some nice plays. It was a bit of a mixed bag. Looks good enough to me to be a practice squad guy for sure. And with Cam Taylor-Britt's core muscle surgery, maybe they do need him for a week or two early. But it also wouldn't surprise me here or at offensive tackle for them to find a veteran to bring him to just bolster the back of those rooms because Deontay Smith, rough first game back, could be rust. He, he had some injury stuff. He, he didn't practice a ton. He, he did practice later in the week, obviously, but missed some time with the injury, had those holding penalties early in the game. Could be another spot that we see a veteran. James, like you said, plenty more to talk about here, including being deprived of seeing Evan McPherson attempt a 65-plus yard field goal for the Bengals to try to tie this game at the, at the end of the game. But we'll get to the rest of the notes, including on skill players, running back specialists, to finish the show coming up next. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop someone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. James, let's wrap up preseason week two. Let's start with the special, not the specialists. Let's start with the skill players because I know that's your favorite part of football anyway. You're, you're a wide receiver guy, James. That's that's your position. I'll just let you talk about what stood out to you the most at wide receiver before I offer my perspective on what we saw from the Bengals guys in preseason week two. 
Well, let's start with Kwame Lasseter because I've been talking up Kwame Lasseter for most of training camp. It feels like when you're doing practice takeaways, it's like, yeah, 18 made plays, 18 made plays. And then that didn't happen in preseason game number one. And I don't know if that was necessarily his fault, but, but then he goes out there and he goes seven targets, seven receptions, 91 yards and plays really well. Now, some of those yards about what 30 of them, came on that final drive 30 or 40 of them came on that final drive but he still he had five receptions for 59 yards um going into that final drive and uh look I, I thought he played well i thought he worked well with multiple quarterbacks and the really the the drive that kind of set the tone was that that first drive of the third quarter where zach's like nope we're gonna put brandon allen back out there we clearly uh they clearly weren't happy with how the offense was was looking Mm-hmm. And Lasseter made big plays, made multiple catches on that drive. Did have the drop two-point conversion. He's going to want that one back, no doubt about it. The Bengals would have lost anyway, for what it's worth. Um, but overall, I, I thought that he flashed. And then th- the other guy that, look, I've been calling him Trent Edelman for a reason. The over-the-shoulder catch and getting both feet down uh, on that fourth and one. Love the call. Love the ball from Brandon Allen. And then Trent Taylor finding a way to get it done. Uh, so those are the two guys that stood out the most tonight. Obviously, there are others. Um, you, you know, Kendrick Pryor had four catches, but those are the two that stood out the most to me. Kwame Lasseter also drew a little pass interference call. I, I started writing a tweet. He's caught every one of his targets. This one he didn't catch, but that's because of a DPI. So not only did he have the seven catches for 91 yards, including, according to PFF, three of those contested, one of which I, I very clearly remember. He, he kind of double-caught it, but I, I thought it was a really nice hands catch in traffic over the middle on a little slant. Lasseter had a nice game. Mm-hmm. Had a really nice game. And the Trent Taylor catch on the sideline. Ballsy play call, for one, especially without Joe Burrow there to throw it, trusting Brandon Allen to drop that ball in the bucket, which pretty good ball for Brandon Allen there uh, up along the sideline. Didn't leave Trent Taylor a lot of room to make that play, but... Great concentration, great catch from Trent Taylor there. I think that Taylor is on the team at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that yep. there's there's not much arguing that. Mike Thomas did play in this game. He had uh, 16 snaps this week after not playing, if I recall correctly, in preseason week one. Stanley Morgan Jr. had seven snaps. So it seems like those three are are on the roster. Lasseter didn't get as many snaps with the starters or the, the quote unquote starters early in the game. Only three snaps early in the game before Mike Thomas departed. This is numbers from uh, Nate Jonke with PFF, but he did have a fantastic performance down the stretch and certainly is a guy along with Kendrick Pryor that I think the Bengals would be thrilled to have in the practice squad. I don't know that there's a massive threat of them losing either of those guys if they do try to get them onto the practice squad, but we'll see if they're enamored enough with one of them. We'll have to go check out uh, coverage teams probably to see how Kendrick Pryor and Kwame Lasseter performed in, in coverage teams to see if either of those guys will will be in consideration for a seventh wide receiver spot for the initial roster. Lasseter looked frustrated, and, and you can't blame him for his lack of opportunity to return kicks every time he went back there. The the who is who's the built the the Giants kicker Gano was was yep. being evaluated for a concussion and so they had their punter Jamie Gillum doing mm-hmm. kickoffs and he was just banging the ball through the end zone. Kwame Lasseter's back there just like man come on let me let me return a kick. Let me put something on tape. The punts mm-hmm. didn't really have great opportunities. 
to return punts either. So unfortunately, through two, two preseason games, we haven't had a great look at Lassiter as a return man, but really good game for him as a receiver. Also, Jaquez Patrick was pretty good in his snaps late in the game. Had the benefit of some really good blocking. Like I said, Adenergy, uh, Volson Hill from left tackle to center played pretty much the entire game and were moving bodies on the Bengals' final touchdown drive. Uh, Patrick should have had that, as you said, game-winning touchdown. The Giants, of course, behind Davis Webb, who was 22 of 27 for 204 yards, by the way, and two touchdowns late in this game with uh, a guy named Alex Bachman, going for 11 catches for 122 and two touchdowns on 14 targets. I mean, talk about talk about a day to remember for those guys. But uh, a, a good showing for Patrick. Evans, Chris Evans as a runner, again, had some, pe- had some nice plays nullified by penalty. It seems like all these penalties come when he's bouncing outside and putting his edge blockers in kind of unenviable situations, but... Deontay Smith could certainly have done a better job than he did on some of those plays. But where Chris Evans stood out was as a kick returner. We talked about this from the first game when they used him as a kick returner in 2021. His athleticism and, and innate feel, his, his vision and ability to just make plays shows up in the kick return game to a significant degree. And he had a massive kick return to put the Bengals in scoring range in the first half, 73 yards. And he just looks to me so natural doing that. And I just, I know they want to see Travion Williams and they're treating it as their sort of a competition because Evans did play into the third quarter, but I don't see, I don't need to see more Chris Evans in the preseason because I think he has a role for this team to help them win games in 2022. No doubt. No, he's, I mean, there is no kickoff return battle, right? Mm -hmm. Kwame Lasseter you know, has no shot of that. He's not going to return kicks for the Bengals if Chris Evans is healthy and out there. And and we saw why. And look, I, I think he could be RB2 in my eyes and in a lot of people's eyes. And we just, I, I think the Bengals are really loyal to Samaj P. Ryan because of the pass blocking element of it. And I understand that. I do. Um, at the same time, Chris Evans gives them some juice and is this hybrid back that can run great routes and give you a burst of energy when you needed it on, on kickoff team. And then also make plays with the ball in his hands on offense. So I'm excited to see him 73 yards, man, just shot out of a cannon. Uh, So really excited to see him by the way, on the Lassiter thing, last thing, I think he's ahead of Kendrick Pryor. If I had to say today, like if I had to rank them, I think he is ahead. Um, Even though both guys have had one big preseason game um, in back-to-back weeks. Uh, Clay Johnston, by the way, the, the other one that stood out, you were running off those that, that quarterback-wide receiver combo, and I'm like, man, you looked up Clay Johnston with uh, just a game. I, how many times has he had 20 tackles in any game? You yeah. know, I don't know if, if many guys get that at this level or any level. And so, yeah, he finished with 20 tackles, had a sack. Um, 16 of those tackles were solo tackles. So heck of a game for him. Uh, number 44 for those wondering. And uh, I know the the local broadcast did the, the Brett Favre uh, piece where it, it's the picture of Brett Favre holding a young Clay Johnston, throwing him like he's a football or acting like he's going to throw him like a football. So there is that connection, which is kind of cool. But yeah, it was uh, it was good to see him uh, rack up the tackles. I don't know if he's going to be able to make this team. 
but uh, he certainly put some some decent tape out there and racked up the stats. A lot of these guys just played the entire game. Yeah. Zach Carter, again, out there a ton. Didn't see him making as many splash plays in the backfield. Jeff Gunter got back there on one play in particular that was nice. It was a completed pass yeah, for Davis loss. Mills, but uh, really good, really good play for him to dip under a couple of blocks and, and have a good quarterback hit there. Last thing, probably specialist Evan McPherson missing a field goal. Crazy 58 yeah. yarder wide left. And outside of that, three or four on field goals. Drew Crispin doing all of the punting in this game. And on the Evan McPherson field goal, a matter of some controversy, James. Cal Adamitis, the long snapper, snap looked a little high. Not that that was necessarily cause for Evan McPherson to miss a field goal. The snap looked like it got down and, and was held well. And I think it was Huber holding on that play but the snap was a little bit high and that might be all it takes for clark harris to to really drive this thing home the other bit uh is drew christmas punting he had three punts in this game he had one 55 56 yard punt where he made the tackle which i don't think i've ever seen before that wasn't mm -hmm. a last man back kind of thing he was screaming down the field it was a 17 yard return and he made the tackle which is impressive i think but also a bit weird outside of that had one nice punt to pin the giants inside their own 20 and another that was returned for 11 yards so what i noticed there is that both of his longer punts that weren't into the end zone area into the other team's red zone kind of area were returned for 10 plus yards and so i wonder if that's on him or if that's on coverage would have to go back and, and take a look but that'll be something i'm sure that darren simmons looks at as well yeah i I think uh, I would blame coverage, but you know we, we'd have to look back and see, I guess. But I, I think they wanted to get a look at Drew Chrisman. That's why he did, you know, the punting duties, and it was still only just three punts because there was a mm -hmm. couple fourth downs and things mixed in there. Um, but the holding part of it, he's done a good job. Yeah, you know, he, he he's done a good job. He wasn't holding. Not that it was Kevin Huber's fault on McPherson's miss, but he wasn't holding on that miss. And so if you would have told me that he was going to break even as a holder before camp, before preseason, I would have said he's got a real shot. And, and I still do. I think you're right about Kyle Adamitis. I, I think he was kind of, if anything, that's going to hurt his chances of, of landing elsewhere than it would, you know, beating out Clark Harris. I think it is Clark Harris's job. Uh, but but I, I can't say that about Kevin Huber. And I also think it's kind of weird, unique. I don't know. Like, is Kevin Huber going to punt all the punts against the Rams? Like it's just it's just weird to me. I don't know. I I don't know what to make of the this battle right now because it feels like Drew Christman might be ahead, but I don't know that, and I'm really speculating, and and it I don't have a feel for it the same way I have a feel for the the Cordell Volson battle with with Jackson Carmen, for example, because yeah. I do think Carmen could have ran away with that if he had played well against the Cardinals, mm -hmm. and it was the exact opposite. And right now. I almost lean Christman barely, but I I don't have nearly the the confidence in that and when i when i say that i think they need to see more from chris when i think he'll probably punt a lot or, or have the opportunities to punt a lot against the rams as well because it could just be which is kind of what simmons said he feels really comfortable that he knows what he's getting with with kevin huber as a punter and if he's not sure yet and needs to see a little bit more in games from from chrisman we'll we'll see because it is a bit odd to not have both guys competing but there were only three punts in this game so there are limited opportunities that if he feels like he knows what he's getting with Huber and needs more live reps to evaluate Chrisman, then 
maybe that is the explainer. Last note for me before we get out of here, James, forgot to mention Noah Spence, who was, I thought, the the biggest standout for pass rushers for the Bengals in this game. Looked fairly athletic, and uh, I noticed him a few times watching the game live. PFF also seems to agree they have him at three pressures and beating his blocker another four times when the ball came out quickly. So it sounds like they seem to think he also had a nice second preseason game and where they're dealing with some injury now with Khaled Kareem dealing with a hamstring injury at that position. Wyatt Hubert's retirement, Jeff Gunter and Noah Spence could both be in the mix potentially for a spot along that edge, especially if Khaled Kareem is injured and, and can't finish out the, the preseason process and can't play. Any other notes from you, James, before we get out of here? Um, looking here, I think we hit on, on most of them. Um, I think the the Osai part of it, you know, he didn't play a lot, but the fact that he, he showed a little bit, I think that that's, that's all you need to see. I'm actually excited to watch him in, in these joint practices this week mm-hmm. because this dude has gotten under, it seems like everybody's skin at one point or another yeah. during practice, which is great. Uh, so, so that's the part I, I know a lot of fans are excited to see him and, you know, this pre preseason and going into it, it was like, man, Joseph Osai, well, it, turns out he might be able to bring that. And, uh, I, I've, I've liked what I've seen from him. So I think we've hit on everything. I have a whole page here full of notes and I think we've hit on it all, but, uh, Osai, I just wanted to highlight him one more time. Cause I, I think that could be a path for the Bengals to, to be better on defense this year, along with my guy, Dax Hill. That jogged my memory for one more on the defensive line, which is Tyler Shelvin, who played a lot more in this game, and I did not really notice much. We'll, we'll have to see on rewatch if he stands out a little bit more, if there are some plays that he made that I didn't notice, but didn't see much when I was watching him and didn't catch my eye when I wasn't specifically watching him. So hopefully Tyler Shelvin played better than my initial impression. We'll find out on rewatch, and we'll we'll get those thoughts to you a little bit later this week. That's it for preseason game two, the recap in the books, game two in the books. Just one more short week of preseason action before the Bengals start preparing for week one, September 11th against Pittsburgh. Until next time, Bengals fans, thanks for listening to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.